Welcome to another episode of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo, broadcasting from the Selmark Studios. Colleen Daniel is here, socially distancing from home, along with the About Mansfield news team. This is episode 76. We thank you for being here. Coming up on this episode, it's Mansfield news and weather for the upcoming week. And a little later in the episode, you will have a chance to win a $25 gift card to the brand new Torchy's Tacos with our trivia question of the week. Let's take a look at the stories we're covering this week. This week, the COVID-19 epidemic in Mansfield remains low but stubborn, and an asteroid crashed to Earth in Arizona. Mansfield ISD school board race ends in a photo finish. Local restaurateur takes first place in food truck championship. Local event set to commemorate Juneteenth. Feel the need to break something? We may just have the answer. Former Mansfield High football coach comes home to coach again. Well, that's a right sticky wicket, ain't it? I'm Home Improvement Specialist Terry Radswin, and we'll see how I get out of that in the Ask Terry segment later in the show. In this week's Cocktail of the Week segment, we'll be talking about a cocktail that will remind you of being a kid again. We have the seven-day weather forecast, and Steve has a fun in-studio talk with local musician Stephen Shaw, also known as Elvis T. Busboy. We are Mansfield's only source for news, talk, and information. This is about Mansfield. Hi, this is Paul Duncan with Trinity Roofing and Construction. There are over 7,500 roofers in the North Texas area, and when a major hailstorm blows through town, that number skyrockets with companies as far away as Montana. In the planning stages of re-roofing your home, it's normal for customers to ask questions such as, where are they based out of and how many years' experience do they have roofing in North Texas? Trinity Roofing and Construction can answer each of these questions with confidence. As a family-owned, Mansfield-based business since 2011, Trinity Roofing and Construction recently received a Product Excellence Award by Owens Corning and are a Platinum Preferred Contractor with Owens Corning. Contact us today for a free, no-obligation video roof inspection. Rated A-plus with the Better Business Bureau, Trinity Roofing and Construction, a Mansfield company, not only replacing roofs, but building relationships. Find us on the web at trinityroofingconstruction.com. That's trinityroofingconstruction.com. Did you know Southwestern Adventist University is located right in our backyard? With a small, safe campus, SOLU provides a Christ-centered learning environment with hands-on experiences and dedicated professors. For a limited time, local freshmen enrolling for Fall 2021 will receive a stackable $3,000 scholarship. Do you hope to become a journalist, copywriter, or English teacher? Learn more about the Department of English at Southwestern Adventist University at swau.edu. Hey Mansfield, did you know cannabis is legal in Texas? I'm Sonia Salazar, co-owner of Wise Wellness. As cannabis educators and advocates, we can answer any questions you have regarding hemp-derived CBD. Wise Wellness carries a variety of products, including oils, topicals, edibles, and pet products. We are located on FM 157 beside Mansfield Fun Jewelry. As a thank you to the About Mansfield podcast listeners, we are offering a buy one, get one free special on select products. Just mention the podcast at checkout. Follow us on social media for our latest updates. Search for Wise Wellness. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon. 
Hi, I'm MISD School Board President Courtney Lackey-Wilson, and you're listening to About Mansfield. Welcome back to About Mansfield. This portion of the news is brought to you by Trinity Roofing and Construction. The COVID-19 epidemic spread is stubbornly still here in Mansfield, just at a low level. Roving Science reporter Dennis Webb has the update. Dennis? Thank you, Steve. On Friday, June 4th, Tarrant County reported that 7,426 Mansfieldians had caught the virus, 7,221 had recovered, and 140 had died from the virus since the start over a year ago. We had 16 new cases this past week. This number has been up and down since the middle of April, suggesting a stubborn plateau. But this is the lowest number we have seen since May. The county estimates we now have about 205 active cases, back to the lower value of recent weeks. We had no new deaths from COVID-19 in Mansfield this past week. Tarrant County reports that 43% of Mansfield citizens had received at least one immunization compared to 31% countywide. This is progress, but a long way to go to get to immunized herd immunity and slow progress at only 1% each week. Most of Tarrant County's countywide epidemic indicators are decreasing slowly. Notable decrease in hospitalizations, 80 this past week, and daily new cases at 68. As well as deaths from the virus, 12 citizens died this past week. It all suggests a stubborn plateau, though still a very low level of epidemic spread compared to January. Our county judge, Glenn Whitley, encourages all citizens to get vaccinated. There are now a lot of places to do it. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. The unofficial results are in for the June 5th runoff election, in which two Mansfield ISD school board seats were on the ballot. Incumbent Desiree Thomas won the majority of votes for place two, with 56%, to Yolanda McPherson's 44%, while the place four race ended with Kezia Valdez-Farrar taking 51% of the votes, narrowly edging out Corinne Fiagami. 8,800 votes were cast, and the difference between the two candidates was less than 125 votes. Election results will remain unofficial until the votes have been canvassed, which will occur on Tuesday, June 15th at 7 a.m. Thomas and Farrar will be sworn in at the next regular board meeting on June 22nd. Big food truck event happened over the weekend. The Food Truck Championship of Texas took place out in Graham, Texas, which is about two hours northwest of Mansfield. And the big prize... A $10,000 check went to a Mansfield restaurateur. He is the owner of Rack Attack Barbecue. Brandon Anderson joins us on the phone on About Mansfield. Brandon, first of all, congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. How did the competition work? You know, got 42 food trucks, uh, and they're serving all kinds of different food. Talk about the uh, the competition and, and how you actually made it to first place. So it was, like you said, 42 trucks, um, everything from American food, international food, uh, barbecue, you had desserts, you had, you know, snow cone stands, you had, um, what was it, pokios, uh, ice cream sandwiches was out there. And then you had obviously big hitters, uh, Cousins Main Lobster, uh, Big Cat bar, uh, Burgers. So they had three judges that were real judges, not um, you know, not participants or volunteers that were pulled off of the uh, you know off the street like a lot of competition. So this was real. This was a actual legit one. So it was pretty awesome. And we would just we have a signature dish that each truck had to turn in, and we just turned in three. And based off of uh, taste, creativity, 
and uh, oh goodness, I'm missing one there. There's there's three criterias, and the cumulative best points of them all wins the grand champion. But you also have best signature dish, best food truck spirit, uh, best barbecue, best international, or best American, or best dessert. Um, but of course, you know, the cumulative points. If you if you get better than all the other ones, then you get grand champion. And of course, I guess Rakuten Barbecue won. So, in addition to the ten thousand dollar check, you also got this really cool belt. Describe the belt. Yeah, they gave us a. Uh, it's a basically a wrestling belt. It's got bedazzled stuff on it, and uh, it looks shiny, uh, but it's not real. <laughs> but it is a legit belt that you can strap around our uh, our waist and put it on. What was the dish that you turned into the judges? Yeah, it was a beef rib on a smoked mashed potatoes. So it was a beef rib shepherd's pie. And we made a beef tallow au jus as well uh, on the side. More or less, it was a deconstructed shepherd's pie. Basically mashed potatoes, then we took the... Uh, beef short ribs and we took it off the bone and topped it on top of there with some parsley yeah it was crazy crazy good obviously (laughs) all right brandon you are a mansfield resident your restaurant right now is out in rendon but there is a a little bird has been chirping on my shoulder saying that uh, the possibility of rack attack coming to mansfield any any truth to that yeah, we're we're looking at downtown location. We got one particular spot right on Main Street, right right there, and uh, we're just waiting to talk with the owner, uh, see exactly what we can work out. Uh, but I think we both both parties know it'll be a good fit. It's just we just got to see all. Yeah, we're work, we're working on it right now. Well, Brandon, when that happens, call me back. Let's get you back on the air. We'll talk about where and when it's going to happen. And uh, we appreciate your time on about Mansfield. Uh, thanks. Uh, Again, congratulations to Rack Attack Barbecue and Brandon Anderson, the owner, taking home a $10,000 check as the champion of the Food Truck Championship of Texas from this past weekend. Again, congratulations, Brandon. Thank you, and thank you for having me on. Longtime Texans, or history buffs in general, know that June 19th, or Juneteenth, marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. The troops' arrival came a full two and a half years after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation. Juneteenth honors the end of slavery in the United States and is considered the longest-running African-American holiday. It's also been called America's second Independence Day. The Juneteenth celebration in Mansfield, founded by former Mansfield teacher Brenda Norwood, is now 32 years strong. Norwood recently passed the celebratory torch to the city just a few years ago. The event was canceled in 2020 due to COVID-19, but is back for 2021, and City of Mansfield special events manager Angie Hensley tells us all about it. The event is going to be held in the parking lot of the Performing Arts Center. We were going to have it at the same park that it was at for the past 32 years, but with all the rain that we've had, there has been some issues um, with mud, and we just thought it would be safer to bring it to more concrete. So it's at the pack, and we are going to start the um, event off with the color guard, and then we have someone coming in to say the anthem, and then we have performers for the rest of the day. We have explosive dance group, the creators, which I hear are an amazing group. I'm really excited about seeing them. And then we have got some spoken word that's going to be done by Tamiko Jones. Um, we're going to have the history of Juneteenth on stage. 
We're going to do the history, Mansfield history of Juneteenth at 1.30 p.m. on stage. And then we're going to have a jazz band. Um, Dre Randall's coming back. And all throughout the day, we're going to have DJ D-Man there. So it's going to be a fun, fun-filled day. Yes, it should cost a ton of money for attendance. However, there is no charge to come to this event. We are really excited for people who have never been to Mansfield Juneteenth to come on out and see what it's all about. We will have um, activities for the kids. We're going to have some backyard games, and we're going to um, have a train rides and lots of food and beverage there um, to purchase, and then we're going to have a vendor market. All of that is free. Is there anything you need more in June, in the middle of June in Texas, than uh, popsicles? <laughs> because we have got a popsicle truck that's coming out. We're really excited about that. And then we've got a vendor that's got um, like fair foods. They're going to do like sausage on a stick, corn dogs, all that good stuff that after you eat it, you're going to want to walk around the vendor market a little bit to work all that off. Food, a market, kids' activities, and great entertainment on stage. Yes, and it's all free, so come on out. We love talking about new businesses, one-of-a-kind, unusual businesses here in Mansfield, and one that just opened up a couple of days ago right here in Mansfield. And with us on the phone is the owner of the Break Room Smash Room, Doug Shepard. Thanks for being on About Mansfield. Sure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Now, normally people go to Dallas or Fort Worth for a break room. Let's uh, let's first start off. What is a break room, and how did you decide to bring it to Mansfield? Uh, well, a break room is uh, pretty much a smash room. Is different or a rage room is different names. Smash room, break room, rage room—they're all the same. Uh, well, I'm actually an auctioneer, and I was doing a uh, auction for the state of Texas on surplus. Uh, printers and computer stuff, and the guy came out and bought a truckload, and I asked him what he was going to do with it, and he says, well, I own a rage room, and I go, what is that? Of course, I took out some of the words, <laughs> but uh, he said he owned, uh, it's uh, over in Fort Worth, and so I had a warehouse and plenty of stuff, so I thought I'd go ahead and give that a try. So computer screens, what are some of the other items that uh, people will go in and, and break? Yeah, pretty much anything uh, electronic, you know, big screen TVs, uh, like you said, computer monitors, computers, printers. Um, I've got lots of glassware, um, tons of glassware, uh, lots of liquor and wine bottles. So pretty much anything breakable or electronics, you can take a baseball bat or a, a sledgehammer to. If I had something that I personally wanted to break, uh, because... It meant something important to someone else, and I just had a breakup. Can I bring in my own stuff? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yep. Kind of going on that same theme, what are some items that you've seen people bring in to break? I haven't personally had this, but there's um, a lady who has stood up at the altar, and she brought all the wedding gifts into the rage room, and all the bridesmaids and the bride had fun smashing up all the all the wedding gifts. Oh, no. <laughs> so I think that was the most unusual thing I think I've heard of. This is actually therapy for for a lot of people, is it not? It can be. Um, I do have a disclaimer saying this does not take the place of, uh, you know, mental therapy. But, yeah, it's a good way to release uh, relieve stress and get rid of some of the angers, especially in the Metroplex. I hate driving in the Metroplex. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll bring out the, the anger in people for sure. 
But uh, yeah, it's a good way to, especially couples nights or come in off the street if we have time, if you need to blow off steam from the kids or taxes or whatever. Now, you're a brand new business having just opened this past weekend. Tell the listeners where you're located. It's located behind the Dairy Queen on Broad Street. Um, The address is 1022 East Broad. And there's a warehouse office building behind the Dairy Queen. And uh, on the first unit on the right, you'll see my signs and my big truck out front. Does it require reservations or could people just show up and smash? You can either walk in. I prefer you call first to make sure there's uh, availability open. But yeah, most people go online and and, uh, on my website and you can view the packages there and then you can click book now and reserve uh, your time. And for the listeners out there, give the website out. Uh, The website, the break room smashroom.com the breakroom smashroom.com right doug shepherd owner of the breakroom smashroom it's located at 1022 east broad street right behind the dairy queen tell you what if i ever need to get something off my chest i know who to go see Absolutely. From 2008 to 2015, the name Jeff Hulme was synonymous to Mansfield High School football as the head coach of the Tigers. The Mansfield ISD Athletics Department tweeted late last week that Hulme is returning to the district as the athletic coordinator and head coach for the Legacy High School Broncos. About Mansfield caught up with Coach Hulme by telephone on Tuesday. I think it's a great job, number one. I think it's a a school that... um, had a lot of, you know, athletes roll through there and then, you know, they're at different places right now playing football. And, and, uh, I think it's a school that, that I've always, that I've always liked. I think, uh, they've always, you know, been good at, at a lot of things. You know, their baseball team went three or four rounds deep this year. Their basketball teams are always good. They got an excellent track program. So, you know, from the outside looking in, it, it's a great place, I think, to come in and sort of revitalize that football program and, and see if we can't, uh, get everything going the right direction. You have a career record of 137 wins and 67 losses, including uh, four district championships at Midway. To what do you attribute your own success? I think a lot of it is, is timing. You know, you get to the school that, you know, where you got great kids rolling through there. And I've always had great coaching staff. Uh, I mean, when, when you combine those two things, you got great kids and great coaching staff, uh, you're, you're going to usually come out with good records and, and, that's, uh, you know, that's what, uh, you know, you want to get to the playoffs. You want to try to win district and, and play as many rounds as you can. And that's the fun part. And, uh, you know, my wife and daughter are excited to be coming back. And, you know, I've got a couple of coaches that are coming with me and I'm excited about them coming up here and their family. So no, it, it's going to be a great, uh, a great move and a great, uh, relocation and, you know, got to get going. Welcome home, coach. Science reporter Dennis Webb is back and he talks about how a meteor impacted planet Earth just a couple of states to the west of us. Dennis? A relative and her family recently visited Meteor Crater just west of Winslow, Arizona on Interstate 40 and it triggered a cascade of memories. Meteor Crater is kind of a sacred place for us space people. Until the middle of the 20th century, most geologists thought it was a volcanic feature as the notion of such a massive impact from space seemed unlikely. Scientists are generally conservative about new ideas, but geologists are among the worst. I know a geologist raised me. Other geologists thought it might be an impact crater from a big asteroid estimated to hit the Earth about 50,000 years ago. Dr. Eugene Shoemaker, a geologist with the U.S. Geologic Survey, worked for decades to prove it was a meteor crater and eventually did, starting with his Ph.D. thesis using the tools of geology. And it also helped us understand the craters on the moon and other planets. 
Dr. Shoemaker trained the Apollo astronauts how to do geologic survey on the moon, including time spent at this meteor crater. He had applied to be a scientist astronaut, but was not selected, as he had Addison's disease, an affliction he shared with President John Kennedy. One scientist who was selected to be a scientist astronaut was U.S. Geological Survey's Harrison Schmidt, who picked up rocks on the moon on Apollo 17 as an astronaut. Schmidt later went on to be a senator from Arizona from 1976 to 1982 and has retired to New Mexico. Once humans realized there could be big craters on the Earth, they found lots of them, mostly using satellite photography, and nearly 200 big craters have been found, most of them weathered down. There are several circular lakes in Canada that have been confirmed as impact sites. Dr. Shoemaker spent the rest of his career looking for more. There is one a bit west of Odessa, Texas, a site managed by Ector County, Texas. They have a nice visitor center and is not far off Interstate 20 if you're driving down that road. It's worth an hour of detour. In 1963, Gene Shoemaker and his wife Carolyn, who's an astronomer, working with their friend David Levy, a comet hunter and astronomy writer, discovered Comet Shoemaker-Levy 9. That was the ninth comet they had discovered together, a strange, squashed comet. A few months later, I had NASA TV channel on in my office, but muted. I looked up and noticed Gene's familiar face and unmuted. He was announcing that their comet had fragmented, and next year the fragments would crash into Jupiter one after another. A huge opportunity for serious and hobby astronomers. I got to watch this myself. I saw Gene, Carolyn, and David speak at one of my amateur astronomy events sometime around then. Later, in 1997, Gene and Carolyn were in a bad car wreck in Australia, and Gene was killed. Some of his cremated remains flew on NASA's Lunar Prospector probe to the moon. After months of studying the surface from lunar orbit, the spacecraft was crashed into the moon, making a small crater as part of an experiment to detect subsurface water ice. The experiment detected water ice on the moon. Shoemaker's ashes were the first to land on the surface of another celestial body, and hopefully not the last. This is my 52nd weekly science report on the About Mansfield podcast, a whole year. A surprising milestone for me. When Steve Casillo invited me to do a science segment for the podcast, I was reluctant as I was not sure I could do something useful every week and relevant to our fair city. At the time, I was trying to figure out what the COVID-19 epidemic meant to my wife and me as older people, and I figured out I needed to ignore the national coverage and pay attention to how it was going locally, reported by Tarrant County every day. Difficult work by hard-working county employees. If I were to catch the virus, it would be because of my local conditions, not national trends, and it occurred to me that this might be useful to my fellow Mansfieldians. I'm a confident researcher and writer, but writing for spoken word is different, and I'm still learning to make words flow as audio, recording in my acoustically dead closet. I'm grateful that Steve edits me to sound better than I am. There was one night that I foolishly chose to record the program after the second bourbon, and through the magic of audio production, Steve made me sound less tipsy. Thanks, Steve. I'm grateful that the epidemic is fading locally through efforts of our fellow citizens and the skilled, unprecedented work of Tarrant County Public Health. We are lucky to have them. If you have not gotten the vaccine, Tarrant County Judge Whitley and I urge you to do so. Steve seems to think my other reports on science are useful for the podcast, and I hope to keep doing them and maybe stop reporting on the epidemic. I think that day may be coming. If you have any questions about science, send an email to info at aboutmansfield.com. From the Science Desk at About Mansfield, I'm Dennis Webb. It's time right now for the Ask Terry segment. Terry Radswin is our resident home improvement specialist and answers your questions 
questions about the place that you call home. Terry? Our question today comes from LaDonna, who writes, Do you have any tips on how to stop your front door from swelling during warm months? The last few years, it has taken some serious muscle to open the front door during the midday hours when it gets warm out. It's fine in the morning and evening. Thanks for the question, LaDonna. You're experiencing something that's pretty common among folks around here, and unfortunately, there's really no way to stop the door from swelling. That's just nature doing its thing. Whether it's summer or winter, the relative humidity is always high during the hottest part of the day, but in the winter, the air is much drier in general. The wind is generally from the north and west, and much of the moisture in the air drops out of the atmosphere in the form of snow before it gets to us. That's why you don't have a problem in the cooler months. In summer, prevailing winds coming from the south in our area bring moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and that's why we sweat like crazy and our doors and windows swell up and stick, especially the ones that face the sun in the afternoon. It's simply our lot in life. On the positive side, it could be worse. You could be in Houston. There are a few things you can check during those warm weather months to help alleviate the problem you're having with your door. I'd start with checking the screws on the hinges to make sure that they're tight. A lot of times, loose hinge screws can cause the door to seem warped or curved. If you've got screws that are loose, and don't we all sometimes, you can either replace them with longer screws, and I like to make sure that each hinge has at least one three-inch screw in it for added security, or you can snug them up if they wallowed loose with a pretty simple method. Get a handful of round toothpicks and some yellow carpenter's glue. Remove the loose screws and swab a generous amount of glue into the screw holes with a Q-tip or something. Then snap a toothpick in half and insert each half tapered side first into the hole on either side. Reinsert the screw and tighten it, then clean up any excess toothpick that remains. The screw will grind up the toothpick wood and mix it with the glue, and when the glue sets, the resulting repair will be stronger than the wood of the door frame. I'd recommend doing the same with the strike plates on the lock side of the door as well. It could also be that due to settlement of the foundation, the door is racked in its frame and as a result is a little out of square. The humidity in the air then exacerbates the problem and makes the door stick at times when it's super moist outside. Check the gap between the door and the frame along the strike side of the frame. If it's uneven from top to bottom, that may be the source of your frustration. The best way to alleviate that is by loosening the hinges at the opposite end of where the tightness occurs and putting some tiny little shims behind the hinges to even things up a little. You've heard the theory that for every action, there's an equal but opposite reaction, and this is a living way to understand this. When you bring the edge of the door out at one end, it actually minimizes the taper on the other end and relieves the pressure on the strike side of the frame. You can use a little bit of plastic or metal behind the hinge as the shim. It also helps to use a little beeswax or even paraffin wax, which you can usually find near the canning supplies at the supermarket, to help the door slide a little better if it's still sticking a bit. The worst case scenario, and hopefully it shouldn't come to this, is where none of the other solutions work and you have to plane the door down a bit. Again, look at the door on the strike side. Even steel and fiberglass entry doors have a wooden frame which holds in the core of the door, which usually consists of foam insulation. Sometimes that wood warps a bit over the years, and you'll notice a crown in the middle of the door usually where it hits the lock plate on the frame. You can relieve that, but don't think about getting your big old circular saw out 
and doing a rip cut on the door. This is a situation that calls for finer technique, and the best solution is an old-fashioned block plane. If you don't have one, it's a pretty handy tool for anyone to have in their toolbox because it allows one to smoothly and cleanly remove wood from the surface much better than, say, a utility knife or a butcher knife will. I'll usually mark the spots where the door begins and ends its curve, remove the lock hardware from the door if it's in the way, and gently guide the plane over the high spot until I've gotten things flattened out. Use a metal straight edge, something like a level or a long ruler, to check as you go. Once you've gotten the bend out of the door, you may have to deepen the mortise where the lock hardware goes so it'll fit flush and not cause the door to stick again, and you'll probably need a good sharp chisel to do that and some patience. The best part about all this is that you don't need to remove the door from the frame to do it, which you definitely want to do if you're fixing the problem with a saw. And if you don't have a plane but do have a power sander, a belt sander or a pad sander, you can use that instead of the plane to do the job. Well, LaDonna, I hope I was able to shine some sunlight in your direction. While there's nothing you can do about what causes your door to stick, you should be able to remedy the problem and save your muscles for other important things like enjoying a lovely summer beverage out on the patio. If you've got a home improvement question or problem you'd like help with, get it to me. It's a question and answer segment, and there are no answers that don't have questions. You can reach me via the podcast email or post to my Facebook page at Ask Terry AM Podcast or my Twitter at Ask Terry AM Pod. We'll see you next time. Reporting for About Mansfield, I'm home improvement specialist Terry Radswin. Once again, you can submit your home improvement questions to Ask Terry at AboutMansfield.com. Terry returns next week with another question. Perhaps yours? Brian Certain is mixing up a concoction that's either American or Russian, and he'll tell you the exact origins with the Cocktail of the Week. Brian? This week's Cocktail of the Week is the White Russian. The White Russian is a decadent and surprisingly easy-to-make cocktail, combining vodka, Kahlua, and cream, and serving it on the rocks, which creates a delicious alternative to an adult milkshake. The White Russian actually came about in the 1960s when someone accidentally added a bit of cream to the Black Russian. Now, the Black Russian is just vodka and Kahlua over ice, but adding the cream rendered it white. And neither the drink is Russian in origin, but that refers to the vodka, which is a spirit often associated with Russia. And it would be a great story to say the the White Russian star rose from that point on. However, that would not be the truth. In fact, the White Russian suffered a bit from the stodgy, antiquated reputation until 1998 and the Big Lebowski. We were introduced to a new character, Jeff Bridges' character, The Dude, who sipped the White Russian exclusively and consistently throughout the movie. It's one of popular culture's best drink-related success, right up there with Carrie Bradshaw's impact on the Cosmo. Of course, you may want to order it like the dude and throw in the occasional call to a Caucasian and keep but the bartender should know what you mean. And while making a white Russian at home, please choose a very good vodka. If you want to be authentic, use a Russian vodka like Stolichnaya or one of the other many brands of true Russian vodkas. But whatever you're using, just make it sure it's a good quality vodka. You want a good heavy cream. 
half and half can work in a pinch, but you'll find a complete different cocktail when you actually use heavy cream instead of the milk. Remember, you're aiming for decadence. This is bringing your childhood back in an adult chocolate milkshake. But don't worry about taking any notes for the proportions and the ingredients, because as always, they'll be posted on bourbongospel.com. So the ingredients, really very simple. Two ounces of vodka, one ounce of Kahlua, and a splash of heavy cream. What you're going to do to make the cocktail is you're going to add the vodka, the Kahlua to a rocks glass filled with ice, top it with the splash of heavy cream, and stir. It's that simple. You'll thank me for your new nighttime cocktail. But as always, I'm interested in hearing your take and input. You can reach me at bourbongospel at gmail.com. And until next week, Mark Twain said, too much of anything is bad, but too much whiskey is barely enough. Reporting for the About Mansfield podcast, I'm Brian Certain. And you're not. Thank you, Brian. And speaking of spirits, Monday is National Bourbon Day, the official spirit of America. Bourbon is a whiskey that is only so when it's distilled in the United States. In 1964, a congressional resolution designated bourbon as America's native spirit. Since then, there is nowhere else in the world that can make a whiskey and call it bourbon. So whether you prefer it neat or on the rocks, in its honor, pour yourself a glass of the brown liquid on Monday. Let's see if the weather's going to cooperate to allow you to enjoy your libation on the patio. Colleen? Let's take a look at weather for the next seven days in Mansfield, Texas. We're moving out of that rainy pattern we've been stuck in and transitioning into a more typical summertime weather pattern, still with lots of humidity, but with much lower rain chances. We're looking at temperatures into the low 90s over the next several days at or above our normal high of 90 to 91 degrees. And with our humidity levels as high as they are, we're going to see heat indexes at or above 100 degrees. Wednesday, we're looking at a high of about 91 degrees, creeping up to 93 degrees on Friday. We have a low chance of rain Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, maybe about 10%, with temperatures near 90 to 91 degrees, and we'll wrap up the week at about 89 degrees on Tuesday. So for National Bourbon Day, out there on your porch, I'm going to recommend you enjoy it on the rocks with your patio fan running if you have one, and perhaps you'll need to splash on my signature summer scent, Deep Woods Off. The Tarrant Regional Water District recommends that you keep your irrigation controller off this week. Lawns are still saturated from the rain we've experienced over the last several days. The weekly watering advice is designed for you to take control of your outdoor water and only apply what your lawn needs. The official start of summer is just over a week away, so be sure your sprinklers are ready to not waste water. As always, you can view a map of watering recommendations for North Texas at waterisawesome.com. Congratulations to Jay Hammond, who was the first person to email the correct answer to last week's trivia question. All totaled, how many schools are there within the MISD organization? According to the Mansfield ISD Facts and Figures webpage, there are 46 schools within the district. Jay has won a $25 gift card to Torchy's Tacos. After the break, this week's trivia question of the week. I'm Colleen Daniel, and this is About Mansfield. 
Your logo or emblem defines who you are, so why not show it off with custom printed shirts? I'm Dana Wood with Ohana Screen Printing. We are a custom screen printing company and can print your design or help you create a new design. While t-shirts are our specialty, we can print on all kinds of apparel such as masks, hoodies, bags, you name it. Ohana means family and that's exactly why we started Ohana Screen Printing, to bring our family and community together through creative expression. We look forward to adding you to our family. Rest assured that when you do business with Ohana Screen Printing, that your dollars stay local as we are a family-owned business based right here in Mansfield. If you're part of a business, organization, or sports team looking to make a visual presence, hit us up on Facebook or ohanascreenprinting.com. That's ohanascreenprinting.com. Hey, it's Steve Casillo, and I want to take a second to tell you about Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. It's where we record and produce the About Mansfield episodes. Podcast Mansfield is a full-service studio with recording, editing, mixing, and mastering capabilities. can even help market your podcast. Podcast Mansfield is home to such great locally produced shows, such as Ask Philip, On the Mark, Grown and Unfiltered, and Daughter of the Other Woman, just to name a few, and handles post-production duties for remote clients such as Coaching Through Chaos out of San Diego and Epic Voices and Conversations from Palm Springs. So whether you're a hands-on person who just needs a place to record your podcast or need advice from concept to completion, Podcast Mansfield is there to help. Conveniently located on Heritage Parkway just off of 287 right here in Mansfield, mention the About Mansfield podcast and you get to record your first episode at no charge. For more information on starting your podcast or if you're just looking for a better place to record podcast mansfield recording studio can be found on the internet at podcastmansfield.com that's podcastmansfield.com hey business owners have you thought about growing your business through social media but don't know where to start never fear i'm sonia salazar and wise media group is here offering coaching for do-it-yourself social media marketing or we can do it for you we have packages for every budget Wise Media Group specializes in organic Facebook and Instagram growth. Let's get Mansfield businesses connected in 2021. Give us a call for a free 30-minute consultation at 817-913-2989. That's 817-913-2989. Or find us on social media at Wise Media Group. That's Wise, W-Y-S-E, Media Group on Facebook and Instagram. Wise Media Group, helping you make wise social media marketing decisions in 2021. It's time right now for the highly coveted, wildly popular trivia question of the week. The first person to email the correct answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com will receive a $25 gift card to the brand new Torchy's Tacos located in the shops at Broad. They're featuring award-winning queso, a full bar, and a variety of damn good tacos. You can find them on the internet at torchystacos.com. Com. Let's get to this week's question, Colleen. Well, Steve, while traveling in the 800 block of Main Street, one's little eye might spy a monument in the shape of a headstone in the memory of Earl C. Driscoll, who lived from 1883 to 1912. Inscribed on the headstone, Driscoll's pioneering efforts, quote, made easy the way for Tarrant County's present highway system, end quote. But Driscoll was not a highwayman. This week's trivia question is, what did Earl C. Driscoll do for a living? Email your answer to trivia at aboutmansfield.com. Again, what did Earl C. Driscoll 
do for a living. Good luck, and thanks to Jessica at Torchies for the gift card. Welcome back to another segment of About Mansfield. I'm Steve Casillo as we make the transition from news to talk. And, you know, for years and years and years, I've always contended that all the cool guys are named Steve. And you've got all the derivatives that go with Steve as well. But you got Steve, you know, such as Steve Carell. He's a pretty cool guy. He's an actor. He's a comedian. You've got your Stevens with Stephen with a V. You got Steven Tyler. You've got Steven with a PH. You've got Stephen Colbert. You've got Stevie. Stevie Wonder, Stevie Ray Vaughan. You've even got Stefan. The character from Saturday Night Live. How could you not say Stefan is cool, is not cool? Here in the studio, we do have a Stephen with a PH. We welcome Stephen Shaw to About Mansfield. Welcome. Gracious. Good afternoon, Mansfield, Lillian, Anna, Kennedale, South Arlington, and the surrounding Megaplex. <laughs> Stephen Shaw, for the listeners who don't know the name Stephen Shaw, they may be familiar with the name Elvis T. Busboy. It is an absolute pleasure to have you in the studio. My pleasure. Thanks we're, for having me. We're going to find out who uh, who Stephen Shaw is all about. And uh, you, oh, I was going to mention, you're a Stephen with a PH. I am a PH, yes, very much so. And if my mother is around, she will remind you. You're a PH, and I was uh, thinking as I was driving in here that you are a, the only thing that's missing from that PH is a D, because in my mind, you are. A doctor of entertainment. <laughs> yes, that would that would complete it. The PhD, the doctor. Right. The well, I doc- did. I did once upon a time kick the idea around of getting my um, where you become a uh, where you become a preacher. Get your online. Um, yeah. Um, not divination, but uh, uh, anyway, I, I thought about doing that. Um, because I had some friends of mine that were going to get married, but also then I could use it as a marketing thing, and I could be the right Reverend Elvis T. Busboy. <laughs> because there are people that go to Las Vegas to get married oh, yeah. by Elvis. This, oh, yeah. you, you could be absolutely. You could be the Texas Elvis. There you go. Get you, hit, get you hitched, and then do you a couple songs. There you go. You're a native Texan. I am. Yes. Grew up in Lubbock. Grew right? up in Lubbock. Uh, technically speaking, I was born in a little bitty speck of a town called uh, Denver City, Texas. Um, in addition to oil and gas, Denver City uh, is known for uh, me. Tanya Tucker and Jim J. Bullock, all f- originally from Denver City, Texas. Refresh my memory on Jim J. Bullock. Jim J. Bullock was on that show in the um, 70s, 80s um, with uh, Ted Grant, um, where he was the cartoonist. Yep. I can't think. And then for a long time, he was the, when they revived it, uh, Jim J. Bullock was the uh, center square on Hollywood Squares. Oh, nice. Um, just kind of an, you know, outrageous, outlandish sort of guy. You know, he was funny. I always, I always thought he was funny. Overshadowed by Paul Lind and... and uh, if Paul Lind had still been around, Jim Jay would not have had a gig. So, you, and then you, you you made your way from Denver City to Oh, Lubbock. well, so that's yeah. where I was born. Uh, grew up in uh, Hobbs, New Mexico, which is about... Yeah, I know Hobbs. Just, just over the border. And then um, right before my junior year of high school... Um, Moved to Lubbock, and so not there, not in Lubbock um, for probably the majority of my life. But that's where you know, uh, obviously, that's where I graduated high school, and then that's where the the music all started. And so, you know, if anybody asks me, I'm from Lubbock. 
Let's talk about the music and describe the music scene in, in Lubbock. I know that uh, uh, Buddy Holly's was was from from Lubbock. Uh, Roy Orbison, Lubbock, and that surrounding area have produced. And I'm going to leave people out uh, just because I'll, I'll I'll forget them. But Buddy Holly, Wayland Jennings, Roy Orbison, Mac Davis. Uh, Joe Ely, Butch Hancock, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, a guy named Jesse Guitar Taylor, a guy named David Halley, who's a songwriter, guitar player. There was a fellow, uh, Buddy, uh, Buddy Knox. Yeah. Uh, who was, so some, lots of them, most of them are not from Lubbock. Um, you know, you got Roy Orbison, who was actually born in Vernon, but he grew up down in Wink. But he went to Clovis, New Mexico to record, same as Buddy Holly. And then, of course, Waylon is from Littlefield, 30 miles outside of, of Lubbock. But he was, re- he was discovered by Buddy Holly and was the bass player on the last tour. Right. Um, and then you got uh, Buddy Knox, who was uh, from Upper and Happy. Oh, I'm forgetting uh, Sonny Curtis, who was in Buddy Holly's band. He was a guitar player. Went on to have a tremendous songwriting career. He was from a little town called Meadow, Texas, huh. uh, which is actually spelled Meadow. But if you're from there, you say Meadow. Meadow. And um, that's where my granddad was from. Um, and um, But, yeah, guys, so guys like uh, uh, people you've never heard of, probably, but guys like Sonny Curtis, who wrote, like, uh, I fought the law and the law won. And then his big hit... Uh, his big moneymaker is um, he wrote the theme to the Mary Tyler Moore show so that who can turn the world on with her smile. The amount of talent that has come out of that area is mind boggling. And um, when I was in high school, they did an exhibit at the tech museum about all of the entertainers that have come out of that area for Basically, no reason. Yeah. And, you know, people will say there's something in the water or there's something in the air, this, that and the other. And the but the title of the of the of the art exhibit was nothing else to do. (laughs) Well, I was thinking you're out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Pick up, learn to play a guitar because you're you're sitting on the back porch uh, right after dinner and and there's nothing else to do. If I recall, there were uh, uh, people used to come from like 60, 80 miles around just to go to a high school football game because there's nothing else yeah. to do. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. and you get, and I mean Texas obviously is is notorious for the for the high school football thing, but but yeah, I mean you get out there all those little towns, it can be a lot like uh in the movie Hoosiers. Yeah. where they're that that caravan of cars going to the next little town over because we got a big game tonight, you know. Were you from a musical family? Yes, I found out later. <laughs> um so before I moved to Dallas, uh, September the 1st, 1994. And so right before I left, uh, right before I moved, grabbed my grandmother and we drove up to Albuquerque to see my aunt and uncle and cousins and whatnot. And, and we basically, we basically, um, had a little vacation and, and we more or less ate our way across Northern New Mexico, you know, so we're up there for about a week. So I'm driving my grandmother back and again, I'm about to pack it all up and, and move to Dallas. And I, at this point I've been singing for a few years and, um, things are really going well. And, um, we had broken into the DFW market, but we knew it could get bigger if we had somebody here. 
Uh, and since I was the guy who did all the booking, well, you know, made sense. All right. So here I am about to, you know, leave everybody. And so I did this for my grandmother. And so we're driving back and, and out of the blue, she says, um, she says, uh, you ever heard of a guy, um, a musician named, uh, Delbert? And I said, uh, Delbert McClinton, who by the way is also from Lubbock. Um, I told you I'd leave somebody out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I said, Delbert McClinton. She goes, yeah. And I said, yeah, I've heard of Delbert McClinton. And, uh, she goes, yeah, that's your cousin. No way. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much my reaction. And uh, she goes, yeah. And so she explained it to me. And uh, we're something like second cousins once removed, second cousins twice removed, something like that. You know, I mean, it's it's tenuous at best, but it's in there. Yeah. You can you can work the relationship. So I've met Delbert several times now. And so Delbert comes up to about my shoulder, right? you know, and so every time I've met him, uh, it'll eventually come up, you know, hey, you and I are cousins. And every time he will look up at me and kind of cockeyed and go, oh, yeah, how? And I'd have to go through the thing. Well, you remember your uncle so-and-so? Well, you remember your cousin so-and-so? You remember blah, blah, blah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, you know, so that's, this is how we're related. And, and every time at the end of it, it goes, well, I'll be damned. I guess we are cousins. (laughs) The first really big name to play on Main Street back when the historic Mansfield Music and Arts Festivals were produced Mm -hmm. was Delbert Mm -hmm. McClendon. Drew a tremendous amount of people out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so Delbert's from Lubbock. Yeah. But then made his bones and made his name in Fort Worth. Right. Out at, um, what's that uh, on the way, uh, the, the highway? There. Out on Jacksboro Highway. Jacksboro Highway. Yeah. Used to be just covered up in clubs. So Delbert technically, Delbert kind of like uh, me. I grew up in Hobbs, New Mexico, but I started singing in Lubbock. So if you ask me where I'm from, I'm from Lubbock. You know, Delbert's from Lubbock, but he made his bones in Fort Worth. So if you right. ask him, he's from Fort Worth. Right. And I, I was going to ask you, let's go back to young Stephen Shaw. And okay. When when did you realize that you could sing? Could sing uh, would have been elementary school. Um, just being in, in school choir, you know, that everybody's in. It's not like I signed up. Everybody's in choir. Everybody right. has a choir class. And so doing that, um, they were putting on a, um, they were putting on some kind of a big all choir, all city choir concert, you know, um, that you have to go to at like the convention center or something. And, uh, in the case of Hobbs, New Mexico at the high school gym. And, um, they brought in some guy to like put this thing all together. And so he's going around to each individual school choir and working on their songs. And, um, he liked the way I sang. And so he gave me a solo in this ridiculous thing. Um, in, then, in elementary school. In elementary school, yeah. Now, in elementary school, you did not have the voice. I did not have this voice. I did much more of an alto than a baritone. Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, he liked the way I sang, and so he gave me a solo in this thing. And then um, uh, my mother got interested in theater, and they did a production. To, the There's a community college outside of town, um, College of the Southwest. 
And so they did a production of uh, Fiddler on the Roof. Mm -hmm. And they just needed background people. And that's all my mother was going to be. She, you know, she's just in the background in the chorus, if you will. And there's kids all over the place in Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, yeah. And so she, they, they said, you know, if you got kids of a certain age that can sing, bring them. And so she dragged me out there. I did not want to go. She dragged me out there so I could audition. I get up to do my audition, and I cannot remember any words to any song that I know. Somehow or another, I pieced one together, and uh, whoever was putting this thing on said, "Yeah, that's fine. That'll 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 work." So I'm I'm in the play. This little kid in the play, um, and nobody ever bothered to give me. The lyrics. So I picked up the lyrics to these songs that I was supposed to be singing simply through osmosis, listening to other people sing them. Um, they were never right. Um, <laughs> because it's not like you can go on YouTube yeah. back in when you're in elementary school yeah. and, and or the Internet. Was, right. Was there, even... was, there was no Internet. Right. Yeah. And so I needed I needed a lyric sheet. You know, I needed the book. Give me the book. Right. And nobody ever gave me the book. And so I have, I, uh, you know, I, I've since, you know, picked up like tradition, tradition, you know, that right. sort of thing. If I was a rich man, yaddle, deedle, deedle, you know. But yeah, no, I'm supposed to be in the chorus of this, of this play singing all these songs, and I have no idea what the words are. But if you're in a if if you're in a choir, nobody really knows because it's all coming from a a, a culmination of people you're, as opposed to. You're correct. You're correct. Yeah. Uh, the only problem with that, and They're, most most of what I did, well, I was <laughs> up on the stage, and there are a multitude of voices singing. So no, you can't hear me. The people standing next to me can hear me uh -oh. and realize that I'm just singing gibberish, which would throw sometimes throw them off. But there was a. A part of the show where we had to file down off the stage and into the crowd. Yeah. And so I am out in amongst the crowd and I'm loud, you know, if nothing else, I'm loud. Um, so we have to file down in amongst the crowd. And so here I am out in the out in the aisles singing just gibberish, you know, <laughs> I'd catch a word here and there. Oh, I know this phrase. So I get that phrase right. But yeah, I, I definitely get some looks from some of the audience members of this kid doesn't even know what he's singing. <laughs> <laughs> well, some major league singers get to that point, though, don't they? I guess so. I guess so. I mean, that was basically once I got out of elementary school, I was never in choir again. Yeah. Um, and completely fell bass backwards into the music business. When I first started, I didn't know what I was doing. I uh, I sang flat. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a bunch of notes that I was trying to hit that I couldn't hit, and I did not know what to do with my hands. Have you taken vocal training? No. Okay, so you're, this is a self-developed mm -hmm. voice. When did Elvis T. Busboy become so a name? Um, so El the Elvis part started off as a nickname. When I was in high school, I have, used to have my own phone line in my bedroom and only my friends would ever call on it. And I, and there was, there used to be, 
the local rock station in Lubbock used to do this bit of the heavenly hotline. And it was them calling heaven, and inevitably, they'd get a hold of Elvis. Yeah. And I just thought that was hilarious. And so that's how I would answer my phone, you know, because only my friends ever called me. So it was always Heavenly Hotline, Elvis Presley speaking. And um, I can't even really do it anymore. I used to do it a lot better. But um, so they all just started calling me Elvis. And then I started singing. Uh, I got a break. Uh, there was a, cl- uh, I used to work as a roadie for this guy named PJ Belly. And he opened his own club in Lubbock. And I, I went to work at the club as a cook. And um, one night he was like, hey, you want to get up and sing? Sure. You know. Yep. At the time, it was PJ playing guitar, a guy named uh, Bobby Shade playing bass, and a drum machine. That was the band. <laughs> so I'd just get up and sing. You know, there might be, there might be 10 people in the club, maybe. Yeah. Not counting the staff, sometimes counting the staff. Right. Um, and so there was zero pressure, you know, nothing. And so all those guys, all those people that I worked with, they all called me Elvis. Well, it started to grow. It turned into the right place at the right time with the right people for Lubbock, Texas, and it just exploded. And me in particular, I was somewhat literally... The overnight sensation. I was never in a garage band. Hmm. I never took choir. I never, you know, I never did any of that. I happened to be where I needed to be and it just exploded. And so I turned into, I became Elvis the busboy. Because right. at the time I'm still cooking. I'd have to stop cooking. I'd come out and I'd sing and I'd go back and I'd cook some more. And then when I got the kitchen cleaned up, I'd come back out and I'd sing some more. So one night, PJ Belly is up four o'clock in the morning watching TV and this Elvis Presley movie comes on called King Creole. Sure. And in that he does play a bus boy in a club in new Orleans and they get him up, they work him into the nightclub act. And he decided the similarities were too great. So I became Elvis, the bus boy. Um, and then that later got shortened to Elvis T bus boy. So that got you out of the kitchen into the restaurant. Eventually I was able to just stop, was able to stop cooking. They hired somebody else. Yeah. Uh, but this club, legally held 75 people and on weekend nights we'd put 150 people in there and it was basically just hey get to know your neighbor oh yeah you know yeah so a shout out to pj pj belly uh gave me my start um uh, no longer with us but he gave me my start and then uh so that was January, January 23rd, 1990 is when Belly's open. That's the beginning of my career. And then, um, so right before New Year's, 92, he fired me. We're talking with Stephen Shaw, a.k.a. Elvis T. Busboy. We're going to pick up the rest of the interview next week, where we will talk about music. TV game shows, and the ever-popular lightning round. Also coming up next week on About Mansfield, we will have the latest Mansfield news, talk, and information. Until then, don't forget to follow this podcast if you haven't already, so you never miss an episode. It's free, and it's easy. Just go to our website, aboutmansfield.com, and enter your email address. We will never send you any spam. 
we promise. About Mansfield is recorded at Podcast Mansfield Recording Studio. Hosts Steve Casillo and Colleen Daniel. Reporters Stacy Main and Dennis Webb. Moment with the Mayor feature Michael Evans. School Board Recap Courtney Wilson. Home Improvement feature Terry Radswin. Cocktail of the Week feature Brian Certain. Post-production editing, mixing, and mastering, Steve Casillo. We thank you all for listening. On behalf of the entire news team, I'm Steve Casillo, and this is About Mansfield. Mansfield.